Welcome to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. On each and every episode, Brian talks with coaches, athletes, and performers in all arenas who are putting into practice the principles of peak performance that will help you close the gap from where you are to where you want to be to help you become a master of the mental game and to help you start dominating the day. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, your peak performance coach here, and thanks for checking out this vault edition of a podcast. We're going back to 2010, where I delivered a live coaches clinic to over 500 coaches. And I want you to get out of this, this the fundamentals of peak performance, but I also want you to hopefully see the growth that I've gone through since 2010. I like to show this because I want to, again, be that model of walking the talk. And we talk about your life, you're either growing or dying, you're getting better or getting worse, nobody ever flatlines. And hopefully you'll see how much I've improved since 2010 when we did this live event. But also take away the use of callbacks, take away the use of audience participation when you're teaching, and also learn the fundamentals of peak performance. So again, thanks for checking out this vault edition of a podcast. I hope you like it. I hope you're entertained. Most importantly, I hope you get energized to go out and dominate the day. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Brian King. Washington, if you can hear me now, please give me one loud power clap. Give me one. Give me now, give me two. Give me now, give me three. So Washington, if you can hear me now, I want you to give me like all the five, five, three, three, miss, miss one. Looks like this. Miss, miss one. Let's do that on the count of three, five, five, three, three. Is either remarkably handsome 
and amazingly talented or amazingly beautiful and remarkably talented. So coaches, do me a favor before we get started and look at the coach on your left. And I'll look at the coach on your right. I think you're gonna agree with me, it's obviously not one of those two coaches, so <laughs> they were talking about you in that study that I heard. They were talking about you. And you are beautiful and you are talented and I want to thank you for being here today. But I think the real reason that I can share something with you of benefit that you can take back and use with your athlete is that I'm also a competitive athlete myself. You see, I am currently ranked fifth in the United States. Now, the only group to top four is the Olympics in Vancouver, where this wouldn't be my first time in the Pacific Northwest. I was number five. Only the top four got to go. But the sport that I play, that I'm ranked fifth in the country out, we're going to play here together today. And as we play, I'm probably going to knock all of you out four or five times in about 45 seconds. <laughs> but I want you to continue to play because it's about maximum participation and winning. So, the sport that I'm ranked fifth in the country out, we're going to play here for about 45 seconds. It's called Simon Says. Everybody, please stand up. Now, 
for you to be a coach of significance. I want to share something with you. As a high school coach and athletic director, these are things that I do on a daily basis. Because for me, sports psychology, peak performance, mental toughness training, whatever label you want to put on is a lifestyle, not an event. Please write that down if you're taking notes. Please write down mental toughness is a lifestyle, not an event. And so many times I get brought into high school and college programs and they say, oh, Brian came here, we'll check off the mental toughness piece. We did that today, we're now mentally tough. It doesn't work that way. It's like brushing your teeth. You don't brush your teeth once a season and expect to have a good spine. You do it a little bit every day. It's the same thing with mental toughness training. First tool I want to share with you. Call it. Call it the 30-second rule. Or the million-dollar mentality. I watch this drug thing seminar when I have to make a very essential point. Something that I want to make sure you get. I will add for 30 seconds of pulling in about attention. I want to do that. Please sit up straight in your chair, put your feet flat on the floor. Hands on the lap in front of you, and eyes and ears locked in right here. 30 seconds. Ready, set, go. Washington, for a short period of time, you can do anything you want with a level of attention, energy, and focus. Right now, the focus in this room is different than it was 10 seconds ago. Feel that. You see, this is what being in the present moment is all about. This is what being a peak performer is all about. If it's baseball, softball, it's one pitch. If it's basketball, it's one possession. Football, it's one play. Whatever your sport, can you teach your athletes to get in the present moment? Now raise your right hand if you as a coach often have to repeat yourself to your high school athlete. Okay, now that's 30 seconds, space out, space out. Not going to keep it for longer than 30 seconds, you know? As John Wooden said, you often have to learn to coach in those sound bites and speak in short spurs. Because if you ask your athletes for 30 seconds pulling about attention, they'll give it to you. They will give it to you. But you've got to discipline yourself to keep your message and keep your coaching within that 20 to 30 second window. Use that with your athletes all the time. It's a great way to get their attention. Now, how many of you actually can call a timeout in your sport? See, in Vermont, we can call timeouts in soccer. Can you do that here? No, we can do that in Vermont. We can make our own rules for whatever reason. We can call timeouts in soccer. But if you have a sport that calls timeouts, Please raise a hand if you as a coach practice how to do a timeout. See, that's one of the key things that we work on with some of the college teams that I work with, the high school teams that have timeouts in their sport, they practice timeouts. If we take a 60 second timeout, how does that work? Do we come right in and give them all the information, or do we have a system for that timeout? Do we give them 15 seconds to the players to get a drink and towel off, and we as a coaching staff meet together to talk about the one thing we've got to change? And then we go in and we say, give me 30 seconds playing about attention, eyes and ears here, boom. And it's like lasers locked in on you as a coach. And you give your information, you give your instruction, and then you let it go for 15 seconds, and then go back onto the court and play. Now, if practice isn't going good, what I'll often see my high school coaches do is they'll stop practice and talk for three or five minutes. And then they'll get back into a drill and it goes even worse because the kids don't they kind of forget what they're working on. So if you can practice using timeouts, in practice, you're going to get more benefit from those timeouts in the game. But I think where you set the tone is right away using what we call the 30-second drill or the million-dollar mentality. Because if you can train your athletes to learn to focus for 30 seconds at a time, it won't be long before somebody wants to pay them a million dollars to come work for them. So please, Washington, give me one loud power clap for the 30-second drill. You two. You three. Let's try that 5-5-3-3, Miss Miss One.
Because when that cell phone rings and you get that call, I want to see how many heads go, whose phone's going Whose cell phone is that? Because that's like that annoying fan in the stands that's trying to distract, isn't it? In a competition. And can you learn to get encouraged in the face of adversity or do you get discouraged and distracted? Encouraged versus discouraged. A simple mental shift. And when I have team meetings, I'll, turn, I'll ask all the athletes to turn the cell phones on. And it's amazing how after a couple days to a week, cell phones are going off and they're getting more locked in. Isn't that what we want our athletes to do in the face of competition, in the face of adversity? Is to get encouraged, to get more focused. But that's distraction. But we've got to practice those things. Mental toughness is a skill that needs to be developed just like the X's and O's of your sport. Now, staying with perspective. When working with athletes, working with teams, often I get brought in with teams that are trying to rebound, trying to come over a hump, trying to get out of the cellar, or they're at the top of the game trying to break in and win a championship. And one of the first things I do, the first area that I attack and I want you to attack as a coach with your athletes is their perspective, how they see things. Because if you want to change the way the world looks, you've got to do what? You've got to change the way you look at the world. Change the way you look at the world. Now, I'm going to change the way you look at the world in the next 30 seconds. I'm going to change your life forever. And this is another drill or example I want you to take back with your athletes. Let's take a look at the screen here. Raise a hand if you've ever seen that logo before in your life. Every hand goes up. Now, give me 30 seconds to tell you about the next Ready, set, go. Raise a hand if you have seen the arrow inside of that logo. Look at that, about a tenth of the hands. You see Washington, stay with me. I'm going to get you to see this FedEx logo different than you ever have in your life. I'm going to change your life forever. Because I'm going to get you to see something that you've always seen with new eyes. And if you get nothing else out of today, that is your challenge as a coach, is to start to look at your sport with new eyes. Maybe more importantly, to try to look at your athletes with different eyes, and most importantly, get them to see themselves and their situation through a different lens. Get them to see the arrow. Now, coaches, space out and take a look between the orange E and the orange X. See that white arrow? There's a white arrow between the orange E and the orange X, and today is the first day that many of you have ever seen this before. Notice right here. Please raise your hand, Washington, if today is the first day you've ever seen that arrow before. Take a look around. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Now give me another 30 seconds to tell you about attention. Ready, set, go. From now until the day you die, every time you look at a FedEx piece of mail or a truck, what do you think you're going to look at? You're going to look at the arrow. It's ingrained. It's in there forever. And the reason it's in there is that I just pointed out something to you that you've never seen before, but it's always been there. It's always been there. And that's what I want to give you here today with a mental approach to sports is can you see a present moment focus? Can you see what that looks like? Can you train your athletes how to focus in the moment on that one possession? Can you train them to have a championship perspective in the face of adversity using the comparative what and the so what mentality? Can you train them how to prepare so that your freshman and your sophomore don't compete like freshman and sophomore in high school, compete like freshman and sophomore in college? Because these skills are skills that can be taught, they can be trained. Please give me one loud power clap for the amazing arrow in FedEx. You want me two, me three. Another mentality, another thing with perspective are the three magic words. How many of you have athletes make excuses? No. Washington has high school athletes make excuses just like Vermont. That's simply amazing. I find that in every state. It's amazing how Facebook now is 
trained our kids to talk to each other all across America. But the three magic words when you as a coach, your administration, or your athletes are trying to make excuses that it might be too difficult. The three magic words, please write this down. Compared to what? Compared to what? Difficult. Adversity. Challenge. Temperature. Too hot, too cold. Compared to what? Compared to what? One of my good friends from high school is in Iraq right now fighting for our country. So when I feel tired or I'm feeling sick or beat up and I don't feel like doing something, I think, good God, is doing what I'm about to do and, and go into the weight room at 5.30 in the morning on a Wednesday to open up the ice flat beach and walk in in the summer? Is that difficult? It's difficult to land in this nice warm bed. It's not difficult compared to being in Iraq. So compared to what? And training your athletes to use those three words of compared to what will help them to minimize and eliminate some of the excuses that they're using. Other things you can use. Call it the perspective poster. Perspective poster. Learned this from my good friend Skip Burton, who used to be the athletic director at LSU. And I'm coaching high school softball. It was amazing how the girls would come back and after hitting a line drive and shortstop, I mean, they did exactly what we wanted them to do. They had a quality at bat. They would come back to the dugout and they would start to cry because they didn't get the result that we wanted. You can't control the results. You did exactly what we want you to do. You just didn't have success to show for them. They would start to cry. I noticed this was happening in all the other sports that were going on. So what we do is we, we ask all of our athletes, please bring in a picture, bring in a story, bring in a newspaper article, something terrible that has happened. Something that when you look at that, you look and go, Phew, no matter what happens in softball, not that bad. Compared to that, this game is great. So many times our athletes or coaches, when we're in that funk, raise a hand if you sometimes forget all the things we love about your sport and you start focusing on the negatives. We've all been there. And this is one of those tools to help you come back. So the athletes bring in all those pictures. We create the perspective poster. It hangs up in the locker room or it hangs up in the dugout or wherever on your facility. You tape it to the water jug and every time they're feeling sorry for themselves, they can write back to the perspective poster. They say, I'm feeling sorry for myself compared to what? Then they take the toilet, they flush that negative thinking down the toilet, and they get right back out to play the next possession. If they flush that stinking thinking, they go right back to the next possession. As a high school athletic director, I now have this poster that hangs in my office. And it's amazing how many conversations I have with parents coaches or athletes that end up thus standing in front of the perspective poster. Created by students at Mount Mansfield High School. We talk about, you know, the situation that you have that you're, where you're not starting, you're the sixth person coming off the bench. It's really not that big a deal. It's really not that big a deal. Compared to what? Compared to what? Other things we've done. We've invited firemen in our area, different people in our area. We call it the Successful Speaker Series to come in and talk with our athletes. Every other week for the entire school year on Wednesday, we start school at 8.25. From 8 to 8.20, we have one of these successful speakers come in and talk to our athletes about a variety of topics. One of them was teamwork. And the, and the fireman came in, Eric DeGree, and he talked about how when we go into a burning building, everybody's holding on to the hose. Everyone holds on to the hose and everyone is together. Everyone goes in or comes out together. I thought, what a great concept of togetherness and go in and come out together. So I asked them for a piece of fire hose. This past year, working with the Texas Christian University baseball team, they got the chance to go to Omaha and play for a national championship. We took a little piece of that fire hose, gave one to every player. 
Because when you go to the College World Series, or when you come to Yakima for a state tournament, sometimes aren't the distractions that go on around the game harder to deal with than the game itself? We've been there before. So we give them that piece of fire hose. We have them write down with a sharpie what the team means to them. And they take that fire hose, they carry it with them in their pants, they might put it in the sole of their shoe, but they carry it with them all the time to serve as that physical reminder of why we are here. And to work together, we're holding the hose. And when you do that in your community, it's tremendous the support that will pour in to help you achieve excellence and success in the things that you're trying to do. You don't have to do all that leadership and character training on your own. There's plenty of people to help. Another story I come back to, a picture at the University of Iowa. Gentleman by the name of Casey O'Rourke. Here's Casey during his sophomore season at Iowa. was one of their top pitchers. Casey was going to go report to the K-Cobb League that summer. And a picture on the right is him that summer as he was battling testicular cancer. And stories like that all the time that we sometimes we try to forget about. We've got to keep in our heart. We've got to keep around us to keep us back in that present moment and to keep us with that healthy perspective. Signs that hang up. Signs are a great example and a way for you to put those reminders to your athletes. Because let me ask you this question, Washington. How many of you, by show of let's go left hands this time, think that you can make a hamburger as good or better than Mickey D's? Anybody? Look at all the hands in the room. Right? Now, if all these hands are up in the room, let me ask you this. How come Mickey D's is making billions selling hamburgers and we're sitting here as underpaid coaches? Right? If we said, what are the two most famous soft drinks out there? I know coaches, and someone probably said, but Budweiser from the other side of the room. But really what we're talking about is Coke and Pepsi. Now, if we have a thousand dollar taste test between Coke, Pepsi, and Sam's Cola and Walmart, I'm pretty positive that we couldn't tell the difference between those three soft drinks unless you are truly a soda connoisseur. Many of us may be, especially if there's a lot of caffeine in there. But if all three of those soft drinks taste the same, if we can make hamburgers as good or better than McDonald's, why do they make so much money a year? What do they do that solidifies them amongst everybody else? It begins with A. What do they do? They add. Say it again. One more time, Washington, let me hear you. They advertise. That's exactly what I want you to do with your athletes and with yourself, is advertise the mentality that you want in your program. And a great way to do that is to have signs that hang up in your dugout, in your locker room. I mean, how about this one? The get to versus have to mentality. You don't have to come to this coach's clinic. You get to come to this coach's clinic. I mean, many of us as young coaches, and I've been as guilty of it as anyone else, is I would go to a coach's clinic and they go, I have to go to the coach's clinic because I have to get the CEU credit for who killed the coach. I have to go to the coach's clinic, so I'm going to go, I'm going to spend my time at that coach's clinic instead of investing that time at the coach's clinic. Investing that time getting to know the people at your table. Investing that time reaching out to people who coach your sport at other schools and finding out what are some of the things that they do that make them The so what mentality that we're going to talk about. And at Cal State Forward 2004, they start the season, their baseball program starts the season 15 wins and 16 losses. Worst start in Cal State Forward in history. I did my master's degree at Cal State Forge and was a grad assistant with your baseball program. I remember sitting in a room like this. And Coach Horton comes in, who's the head coach now at the University of Oregon, says to the team, those men, 
We just got a boat race down in Texas, lost three games down there, the worst start in Cal State Fords in history. I've taken away anything you have that says Titans. I've made your run. I don't know what else to do. I've tried everything to motivate you. I don't know what to do. And Kurt Suzuki, the current catcher for the Oakland A's, catcher on that team with the National Player of the Year. Kurt Suzuki in that meeting. This line accent. Hey, coach. Coach. You know, I think we think we got a lot of guys who are uh, pointing fingers and not pointing thumbs. Because I think I got to start pointing the thumb. I need to point the thumb at me and take responsibility and stop pointing the finger at everybody else and trying to point blank. Because, man, we're 15 16, so what? We lose the game, so what? I make an error, so what? I have a bad at that, so what? We've talked all year about playing the next pitch and we're not doing that right now. And then DJ Pilateri, who split time with Kurt Suzuki on that team behind the plate, stood up and he said, Hey, coach, just for a minute, just for a minute, let's think about how good it's going to feel. How good is it going to feel to win that national championship in Omaha, Nebraska, we dog pile on that mound and post that trophy? How good would that feel? And all of a sudden, the energy in the room changed. It went from a team of being 15 and 16 who's thinking, okay, we're not going to make the postseason for the first time in Titan history. And all these negative things, too. Bang, wow, we got a chance. We got a chance. And that Cal State Forward baseball team went 34 and 6 the rest of the way and won the NCAA National Championship. And on their reigns, what they had described, so what next pitch. So what next pitch. In the so what mentality. Here's Coastal Carolina, a team that finished fourth in the country, or was ranked fourth in the country going into the postseason. A sign, so what next pitch. They have the toilet up in the dugout, so when players have bad at bats and throw bad pitches and they come in the dugout, they can flush it and let help let it get rid of it and get on to the next play. Now with that so what mentality, what do we say so what to? We say so what to officials' calls. I mean, is anyone here ever by a show of both hands, please, for this one? Show of both hands, has anyone here ever had an official make a bad call going against you? <laughs> We've all had. We've all had those bad calls go against us. Has anyone here ever had one of those calls reversed? Sometimes, right? Depending on your sport, depending on the uh, experience of the official, they can reverse the call in high school. 99.9% of the time that doesn't happen. So give me 30 seconds playing by the attention, please. Ready? Set. Sit straight the chair, feet by the floor, and my front. Ready? Set. When an official makes a bad call in their sport this season, because it's going to happen, just be ready for it. It's going to happen. Can you be the first one to say, hey, God, so what? Next play. So what? Next play. <laughs> they throw the flag. They throw the line around the field. Hey, God, so what? Next play. Because as coaches, remember, your energy is contagious. And if you start yelling at officials, we can get players with you. Yell at officials. I mean, the fans are Yell at officials. But if you as the head coach don't give it any energy, you say, hey, so what next play, which is going to help you win, it's going to help you win that game, that's what your players are going to do. So it's got to be the official's bad call, so what, the next play. To the adversity, so what, who's going to step in and play. To the weather, it's too hot, so what, compared to what. It's too cold, so what, compared to what. I mean, I want to be the coach of the team, but the first person walks off the bus, there's hail the size of softballs, 20 degrees, blistering wind, and it says, man, this is not man's field weather. Thank you, let's go. And they're a softball player. Those are the, those are the coaches that I, those are the athletes that I want to train, those are the athletes that we want to develop. Field conditions and facilities. 
You have what you have. You can make minor improvements over time, but do not use your field conditions in your facility as an excuse for not having success. Augie Garrido at Cal State Fullerton won three national championships. He's won two at the University of Texas, the all-time winningest college baseball coach in history. Won a national championship at Cal State Fullerton using the trunk of their vehicle for a lot. Tim Gordon, head baseball coach at Vanderbilt, is working with the Team USA national team. They're competing for the World Championships in Cuba. They have what's called an L screen, which is a screen that comes out in front of you, so if you throw batting practice, someone has a line drive back at you, it hits the screen, not you. They didn't have one of those in Cuba. So what? Let's make one. They stack up all their bags, they take two pieces of concrete, and they have themselves an L screen. Last year, Washington, D.C., University of Maryland, biggest snowstorm in the history of the D.C. area. Eric Backus, their first-year baseball coach, said when he saw the snowstorm, his assistant coaches were calling and saying, Coach, what are we going to do? We start the season in two weeks. How are we going to go outside? He goes, don't worry about it. Call all the guys. I'll even meet there at 6 a.m. He had shovels. He shoveled off the infield dirt areas so they could scrimmage. If you get a line drive in the snow, it was, it was no. <laughs> but, I mean, you can, you know, what this taught me was this, that you can make excuses or you can make it happen, but you can't do both. You can make excuses or you can make it happen, but you can't do both. And you got to make that choice. you got to make that choice and you're going to lead your athletes down that right road of mental toughness of compared to what we can do anything. Whether so what, we can do anything. Build that bond, build that nonprofit. Here's a great example of mental toughness from Spectre, my friend Lloyd. Um, what I meant was, um, I, I like you, Mary. I want to ask you a question straight out, flat out. I want you to give me an honest answer. What do you think the chances are of a guy like you and a girl like me ending up together? Well, Lloyd, it's difficult to say. We really don't. Can't even. Just give it to me straight. I came a long way just to see you, Mary. Just the least you can do is level with me. What are my chances? Not good. <laughs> you mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. This is Mel Tuffman's right here. This is a championship perspective. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> Do you agree with the statement there are no little things in coaching? 
talking about coaching the details. Be crazy. They know a little more about that. All right. There are no little things. Practicing little things. Changing a mentality. 2007. Had the wonderful opportunity to work with the University of California Irvine Baseball. Had five teams that worked with that year in the top 25 in college baseball. If I was a gambling man, which I, which I wasn't, not. <laughs> a casino runner. I would have said UC Irvine on the five teams I get a chance to work with. They, they have the least talent. They're not going to make the college series. But what the UC Irvine teams had. The difference in the other teams that worked in that year was they had the right mentality. They had that synergy. They had that team chemistry. It was something that we worked on. And team chemistry isn't something that just happens. Team chemistry is something you do every day. Something you build every single day. And at UC Irvine, they talked about, we want to win a national championship. So I remember being in practice one day, head coach Dave Serrano, who's now at Cal State Fullerton, and we're sitting in practice, and they get done taking batting practice. There's all screens and things on the field, balls everywhere. And they say, okay, let's clean up the field. The guys are walking around. I put a stopwatch on it. Put a stopwatch on it because a key concept I want you to remember that excellence is a lifestyle, not an event. It's something we do all the time. If, we're going to be, if we expect to be excellent on game day, we better be excellent in practice because there really is no difference. It's the same thing. It's the game. Excellence is a lifestyle, not an event. And what we decided with, with everybody that year is at that practice. They're taking their time. So I said, Coach Toronto, is that an effort of a team that deserves to win a national championship? He said, what are you talking about? So look at the way they're playing the infield. You deserve to win a national championship with the effort that's coming out right now. He said... No, we don't. So can I do something about it? Sure. So I have a whistle that I carry with me because I can't physically whistle very well. Yet. I've always had those three letters at the end of the sentence and you don't think you can do something. Y and T. I can't whistle yet. But I'm trying for 31 years. I'll figure it out sometime. <laughs> so I blow the whistle and it's an attention game. Just like 30 seconds, really only use it once in a while. Everyone comes running in. So God, you want to win a national championship? You, you agree that it's going to be the team that deserves to win, that doesn't want to win, that's going to be there at Omaha at the end? Yes. Well, right now, the way you're bringing up the infield is very average. I've seen better teams do it all across the country. I said, well, we have another chance. I said, absolutely. Go set up the field again, come back in the dugout. We started on There's the dirt here and then the grass. They all start on the dirt. I started a stopwatch because key concept, please write this down. Measurement equals motivation. Measurement equals motivation. One of my mentors, considered a great friend, Bruce Brown, from your home state of Washington, he said, rewarded behaviors are repeated behaviors. Measurement equals motivation. Rewarded behaviors are repeated behaviors. So, all of a sudden, he said, we're sticking a stopwatch on it. Now it's a competition. Let's see how you do with cleaning the engine. First day, it took him four minutes.
It's all under time. And the record right now is 27 seconds and 0.32. Would you say you're an actual witness? I would say I'm quite different. The rookie is uh, this green man right here in the gray man. And there does seem to be the, uh, the most tactical thing. Doing. So at Vanderbilt, they practice the national anthem. 
took this to Essex High School in Vermont. They practice the national anthem. Everyone can please stand up. Simon said to stand up. Now, however, however you teach the national anthem to your athletes is up to you. The way I was taught by Tim Borman, he said, take your heels, put them together at 45 degrees. Stand up tall. Imagine you have a roll of quarters in your left hand and pinch your pants like this with a straight arm. Then take your right hand, put it where your pectoralis muscle and your shoulder come together right there in that crease, and take your thumb and put it against your hand. If you have a hat, you can put it there. Now, if we can, if attention to detail is important, however you choose to stand right now is up to you. Let's take a quick look at a video of different programs around the country standing for the national anthem. And what it does is it gives your team, I think, a competitive advantage from a mental standpoint. It says we are together one last time before we go to compete. And when you teach your athletes the importance of the national anthem, and they look across the field like you're going to see at the end of this video, and the other team, which I see so many times in high school, is frustrating. The other team is walking off the field of the court before the anthem is even finished. And they're standing there holding the anthem still for three seconds after the last count of the anthem, and then they put their hats on and they turn around and go back to the bench, whatever sport it is, together. I think it gives them a sense of unity, a sense of competitive advantage to mental thought. So let's take a look. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the parallel spend time before the game teaching the new Talking about we don't play against the opponent. 
Right? We hear ISIL after they're going to step up. They're going to step up. Understand this, Washington. There can be no step up. There is no step up. If you're going to step up in the state championship, why don't you step up in today's practice? What are you waiting for? There is no step up. If you're going to step up for the big game, make today's practice big. And compete against yourself to get better every day and compete against the game. And then when you go to play an opponent, it doesn't matter who it is because you're competing against yourself in the game. And it's amazing what that will do to their stress level before a game. That 30 seconds may sound. Because with TCU this past season, in order for them to get into the College World Series, they had to go to the University of Texas and beat Texas. A formidable task. If you talk to any of those players or you read their quotes online after the game, we weren't playing Texas. We were playing the game. We were playing ourselves. We were trying to play the best of our ability because if we play the best of our ability, we give ourselves the best chance to win. Give yourself the best chance to win. That's what the process is all about. Give yourself the best chance to win. Now, do we have any wrestling coaches here? Wrestling coaches. How about anybody that's familiar with the sport of mixed martial arts? Remember that? There's a new ultimate fighting championship, mixed martial art world champion named George St. Pierre. Anybody heard of George St. Pierre? I've had the wonderful chance to corner George St. Pierre in some of his UFC fights. And after he lost his title to Matt Serra when he was 25 years old, his next bout was against a guy named Josh Koshchuk, world-class wrestling. Listen to what George St. Pierre says in a pre-fight interview. This is when you hear an athlete talking or doing an interview, and they're saying the right things, you know that they get it. It's a great way for you as a coach to check for understanding, is go through a mock interview or have them write something about what did they, what, you know, how would you respond to this question if asked in an interview? Give them a homework assignment. And see what they say. It gives you a great gateway to their thought process. But listen to George St. Pierre talk about he's confident he's the best fighter in the world, which right now he is. But he understands the best fighter never wins, it's always the fighter who fights the best. Let's take it. I truly believe that I'm the best fighter in the world. And, uh, but it's any sport, in every sport, is the same story. It's not the best team who wins in baseball. It's the team who plays the best. It's not the, the, the fastest horse who, who wins the race. It's the, the, the horse who race the best. And Saturday night, even though I believe that I'm the best fighter in the world, Saturday night, the guy who's going to win the fight is the guy who fights the best, who will fight the best. And I'm very glad to fight Josh Kopchak. He's the number one guy right now after the title holder. So I want to get back to I go step by step with the process. Another great example you can use with your athletes is to draw a staircase. At the top of the staircase, wherever you want your end result to be, let's say state championship. And then go down that staircase to today. What do you need to do today? And then you can fill those in those steps all the way up to the staircase. They can be statistical, they can be whatever you want, but always come back and focus on the bottom step because that's where the staircase starts. If you hear George say, I focus, I'm glad to fight him, I focus step by step, that's what he's talking about. It's the process of what it takes to get back to win his world championship, not actually winning the world championship. So what's the process it takes to get to where you want to go that's much, much more important than where you want to go? Now, I need, this is a sign that the Alabama dugout process over outcome, the Alabama softball. I need a volunteer, anyone at all. Anyone who's got sneakers on, maybe a, a gymnastics coach, if there's any of you in here. 
Anyone uh, who has sneakers? Anyone? Anyone at all? Not everybody wants them. Anyone? Please come on. Please come on. Who wants one? Hey, hey, uh, who wants one? Are you afraid of heights? No, fantastic. What's your name? Debbie, here's what I want you to do. We're going to, we're going to take the concept of never stepping up to another level. I want you, and the board is not exactly straight, so you just got to be careful. I want you to walk heel to toe across the floor. Do it, Play against the game, not Debbie, before you go. 
because I don't want you to uh, go without some proper support here. I would like you to right now to jump out. This is how you can sell this with your team. I want you to write down the name of, these are all your teammates here. I want you to write down the name of four or five teammates, people who are here, that you would trust up in the spot. Okay. Okay, there you go. Say, now, coaches, here's what you do. Let's pretend we're we're a 20-person volleyball team. And I have one person up there. So write down the name of five people on an index card that you would like to come up here and spot you. And then I ask the audience to go, how many of you raise a hand and your names on that list? Not every hand goes up. And I say, well, if we're gonna have success this season, everyone's gotta be in together, everyone's gotta be on the same page. Why haven't you taken the time to invest in a relationship with Debbie that she would trust you to come here and spot her? What are you waiting for? Stop counting the days and start making those days count. What are you waiting for? And then they all come up, and what, just like we're going to do if I get to this table, and, and uh, so uh, this table here, if you all come up here, please. And what I'm going to have you do here, sir, is I'm going to have you step back here. I'm going to have you just hold this. Debbie, I'm going to slide this to slip. I'm going to have to hold this down right there, okay, with that ladder. Now, sir, I'll have to do the same thing back there. If you want to step in here and just hold this ladder, as you can see, it's not even. And it could slide. I'm going to have the rest of you come up around these sides. And let's make sure this before it stays with the angle and straight. I'm going to have you come in with your hands up like this. And you're going to spot. You're going to come in close in case something happens to Debbie. She comes off. She's got a support number. Because Debbie, anytime you try to do something challenging, it's always a little easier to have a support group and team in. So, Debbie, when you are ready, if, if coaches, if we can get our hands up here, we can spot her as she comes through. Got Debbie. Got this. It's the same game. It doesn't matter if it's a state championship, national championship, or here squad scrimmage. It is the beam. Let's give her a round of applause. Have a peak performance CD for you. Thank you for coming up. Let's give Debbie one on power high three. And what's the point of we call this exercise walking the plank? And when we do this with a team, often what we'll do is we'll cut like a one-foot section of the board, painting your school colors. Right on, walk the plank. Every athlete that makes the commitment, I'm gonna walk the plank whenever we play our game. From the basketball coach that we play at our gym, someone else's inner squad scrimmage practice, state championship backyard against dad, I'm playing my pants for basketball. And they sign that board, that's their commitment. And every day that board comes to practice and goes home with the practice player of the day who got after it the most that day in practice. Walking the plank. Let me share with you a video example from Cal State Fullerton back in 2004, something you can do with your team. Because if many of you are at a small school, maybe you go play for a championship, much like we had in Vermont, we go play in big stadiums for championships, and it can be a shell shock for our kids, is they took a little water bottle full of dirt from their practice field, brought it to the stadium, put it down, and said it's the same game. Basketball, they measure the rim. Ice hockey, they take some shaving of ice, and when they go out to skate, they just drop a little bit of ice. Lacrosse football, they take grass, drop it on the visiting field. Not in any way, shape, or form of motion of disrespect, but just the motion of, hey, this is the same game. It's the same thing we do every day. Forward to the one, four, seven, two, nothing late. They run back out seven, four, some dugout. This year, they got the force the coach, the players brought this empty water bottle, but when it got here, it actually had 
some infield dirt, and some pitching mound dirt from Goodwin Field back in Cal State Fullerton's campus, their home field. A lot of you here to sprinkle on the mound here at Rosenblatt Stadium. They're trying to continue tradition they've done year in, year out. A little bit of magic, maybe a little bit of good karma bringing him from Southern California to here in Nebraska. Hoping that'll work here for the Series. We'll see what he does. They, they have every trick in the book, don't they? They've got it now. Between normal baseball superstitions and their sports psychologist that works with them. What is the side note? Think how good it's going to feel. Doesn't have to be creative, doesn't have, you don't have to pay a lot of money for the sign, throw some athletic tape up with a shark. Think about how good it's going to feel. There's your sign, there's your reminder. Other things with improving the quality of your practice. How do you have game-like practice? The first thing you want to do is sell the importance of game-like practice. Here's an example. There's tons of ways in which you can do that. Another way to jack up the intensity of your practice, use the scoreboard. Play crowd noise or music if you have availability to that. Another way that I think any coach can do it is, remember, rewarded behaviors are what, Washington? And measurement equals motivation. So if you, if you identify in your sport, what's the process? How do we need to play the game to give ourselves the best chance for success? Out in the staircase, we want to win. What's the process? How do we have to play to get there? Identify what those are and then give points for those in that air squad scrimmage. So for example, Softball. If there's a non-hustle play, two points for the other team. If there's a slow pace, two points for the other team. Somebody puts down a sacrifice bunt, and the players on the team come on the dugout, and they're high-fiving and celebrating that sacrifice bunt, they get two points in the scoreboard for energy in the ballpark. The importance of sprinting on and off the field to give yourself time to prepare to hit. We stop last step. Measurement equals what? So it's a third out made. Boom, stopwatch starts. Now you have somebody on your bench who's not playing in the game, engaged in the game, and if the infield gets off in four seconds across the foul line and the outfield gets across the foul line in eight seconds, that team gets two points on the scoreboard. You are rewarding them for sprinting on and off the field, which is something you want to do to give yourself that competitive advantage to prepare to hit. In basketball, somebody boxes out, the ball hits the ground, two points. You take a charge, you get five points. Stop penetration with help defense, three points. Football, give a 12-play drive, two points. Downfield, you block somebody out of play. We know how hard it is to teach wideouts to do those stock blocks. There's your three points for that player for doing that. You have a rookie quarterback. This year in our high school, we have a freshman who's going to be the quarterback. First time ever. And he's nervous. He said, hey, I don't, you know, you complete the pass. You're going to complete passes. I want you to make good reads. Because if you make good reads, what's going to happen? Passes are, passes are usually going to be completed on their own. So I reward him with points for making a good read. Now some of those reads get picked off. Some of those reads are also completed for big plays. But we reward the process that gets us where we want to go. Again, with baseball, the emphasis is on quality at bats. TCU, you saw this chart that was featured on ESPN in the College World Series run called the Barrel Chart. Anytime somebody would barrel up a ball, they have a quality at bat, they might get out, they come back to the dugout, they would sign the barrel chart. Old Miss, they have barrels. 13 is the number of barrels they have in that game. 21 is the record for the season. 101.18 is the time of them clearing the infield. And to date, they have 470 barrels. And they can track of those process-based statistics throughout the season. Now, what I would like you to do is think about what is something you can emphasize in your program if defense is important, we know the Tour de France are where the yellow jersey, right? This is the Tour de Defense. 
the defensive play of the day gets the yellow jersey to wear to practice the next day. A $10 motivational tool that lasts the entire season, and now you've got people diving all over the place in practice to wear that yellow jersey. What I'd like you to do for 30 seconds is please write down in your sport, what is a process-based criteria that if you reward and you get more of, it's going to help you win? What is that process-based example? What could you reward points to in an inter-squad scrimmage or in a scrimmage that if you get more of that in the game, it's going to help you win? Because, again, what you reward, you're going to repeat. Please take 30 seconds. Well, what can you control? You can control what I call your self and your eighth. 
And I use eight. I, I try to speak in acronyms a lot. The acronym WIN. You want to win? Focus on what's important now. W-I-N. What's important now? You want to get better? you got to have the ace up your speed. What's the ace? Action changes everything. Take massive action. You don't like your situation? Change it. Play your next card. Take action. Action changes everything. And then your A. It stands for attitude. It stands for performance, which you can control. And it stands for your effort. Attitude, performance, and effort. Control, which you can control. Now, with the process, one thing you can control is how hard you work. How hard you work. Another thing you can control, which I think is more important, is working smart. Let's take a look at a video clip about a friend of mine who can demonstrate the difference between working hard and working smart. Because he's working hard, but it's not going to happen. Take that dollar bill and hold it in half. And then hold it in half again. And 
Now, put that down the hill over that way. Sideways. Go the long way, the other way. Now, walk with your name. Jesse, come on over here. And your name, sir? Larry. Larry, come on over here. Now, what Jesse and Larry are going to do, we're going to take this piece of rebar, and they're going to put this right in the hole there. Now, here's what's going to happen. This is about bending but never breaking. This is about staying positive. Right now, your thought process is, let's get that piece out there. Your thought process is, Oh my God, it feels like it's going to go where? Through your throat. Now, okay? this three bar is going to go through my throat. Let's change that thought process. Right? Let's flush that. And let's think about you two guys are going to go at the same time. You're going to go at the same time, and what's going to happen is if you're committed to each other, if you're about the other person, if you're as committed to him as he is to you, this three bar is going to bend in half like a deck of cards. Now, you've got to go at the same time, because if you don't go, he does. He doesn't feel good. Okay. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to take your fingers. You're going to put your fingers right around the wee bar like that. You're not actually going to grab it. It's going to guide it. Pull back a little bit. Because what's going to happen is when you guys come nose to nose, this wee bar is going to have a lot of tension on it. I want you to grab it so it doesn't touch you. Okay? You ready to do this? You ready to do this? Okay. This is what we're going to do. Audience, let's get a clap going. Somebody is going to get up and talk about you and your legacy as a coach. 
They're going to talk about your character. They're going to talk about your work ethic. They're going to talk about your honesty and integrity and what you gave to the student-athletes who called you coach. I want you to write down for one minute, please. I challenge you to do this activity with your athletes, what do they want to have said about them at the end of their banquet. That'll give you some great insight into what motivates them. And I want you to take a look inside yourself and say, how do I want to be remembered at that banquet? Please take one minute.
why they play their sport, gives you great insight into what their motivations are, and it will help them to avoid one of the biggest obstacles that athletes make is they count down the days until the next game. Instead of those days now. Coaches, what we've talked about here today, what's contained in the Pride program, and some of the CDs that we have up here on the table, I have an introduction to peak performance CD, which goes over a lot of the same things we've talked about here today. There's only a couple of them left. They're only $5. Uh, and those CDs cover what I call the fundamentals of the mental game, fundamentals of peak performance. And coaches, if you can learn to follow the fundamentals of the mental game, you can do just about anything. Thank you, Washington. You've been great. Today's podcast is sponsored by Potential Apparel. Potential Apparel is on a mission to inspire athletes to reach their true potential. If you're serious about reaching yours, then you have to go check them out. They make awesome clothing for dedicated and committed athletes. I'm a huge supporter of what they're doing, and that's why I wear their clothing with pride. Make a statement and join the movement today at PotentialApparel.com. Be sure you use promo code Brian Kane with a space between Brian and Kane for 15% off on your first order. Dominate the day with Potential Apparel. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. Please make sure that you visit BrianKane.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N.com. And sign up for my Monday message where every Monday I deliver straight to your inbox videos, interviews, articles, tips, techniques, and strategies that you can use to master the mental game. You can also contact me through my website on our Contact Us page and see my calendar of where I'm going to be in the country and when I'm coming to your area so that we can get together and that we can continue to go out there and dominate the day. This is a production of Corn Belt Sports. The Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast is part of the Top Coach Network.